I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, April 2, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And all in all, there really wasn't a lot going on in the market today. Not a lot of change from yesterday. Markets were really flat, really around the horn. You had the broker-dealers were up a little bit. The transports were flat, down 18 points. That's a rounding error. The S&P 500 was actually flat. It was up or down 0.00%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 80 points, but that was only due to really one or two stocks. You had Walgreens boots that got taken out behind the woodshed and a couple of more. But other than that, the Nasdaq was up 20 points. That's also a rounding error. So what do we take away from today when you have really not a lot of activity around the horn or around the markets and you don't take anything away from today there's just no change we don't have to read into it we don't have to speculate we just take it for what it is it was a really really quiet day so what's going on out there what's the market doing what's the likely scenario let's talk through some of the schematics if you will of what could happen so the market could continue up and make new highs and we can keep going and that's absolutely possible Let me point something out, and I'll just make a point, because I've discussed this many, many times, and while I may be looking for a turn, I also want to be cognizant of the fact that the market can always go a lot farther or a lot higher in this case than many people think it can. can always go lower than people think it can go, can always go higher than people think it can go. Let me give you a case in point. Here's a weekly chart of the spider. Now, we look at this quite frequently, and we know all the information that we've been discussing for several days, even several weeks. We're looking for signs and a signal of a top or a trend change right around where we are, maybe a little bit higher. We've discussed all these things before, but here's what I want to point out. Now, look at here. We've been up for, this is really the 15th week. So 15 weeks minus a couple of weeks here and there, or just a couple of weeks, that's it. Other than that, we've really been up for 15 weeks. Other than this week and this little down candle here, it's really been a straight line up. Now, you say, well, that's too far too fast. We've come a long way since the December 2018 lows. That's a true statement. But what also is a true statement is we've been here before. Look at this bottom here and look how far we went here. That's a longer period of time. So make no mistake about it. It's time, not necessarily price, that's more important. They're both important, but to me, for my work, time is more important than price. And for me and my work, time is important right here, right now. That doesn't mean it's today. Doesn't mean it has to be tomorrow, but we're in the zone. We've been in the zone for a couple of weeks We're going to stay in the zone for a couple of weeks. We're in the zone. We're getting into earnings season. Things will get volatile, but they can certainly spike upward and onward. There's nothing that says the market cannot continue higher. 
It can. It has. We're back on the daily chart. But the point is, is that it has gone farther than most people thought it would. Nobody thought the market would be up here even two or three weeks ago. But here we are, and the market can certainly go higher or it can reverse tomorrow. So let's discuss a couple of ways that this actually plays out. What are we looking for? Before we do that, let me first take a pause and thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know how I love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy, and only if it's worthy, please hit the thumbs up button on the video, and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. Back to business. So how do these things take place? Well, here's one example. Let's say we have a gap higher. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's the following day. Whatever it is, let's just say we have a gap higher. There's a chance that we can gap higher. People jump on board. You have last in, first out scenario. So people want to jump on the rally. It's hot and heavy. And then all of a sudden, the market craps out. We begin to fall or the market begins to fall. We end up having a reversal day, a reversal candle, finishing a little bit ugly on the lows, and that could be the beginning of a correction that may be ensuing or a correction that might last for weeks, even months to come. That's one way, and that happens. What causes that? It's generally some kind of news-related spark. Maybe it's on a China trade deal, and then all of a sudden, it's a quote-unquote sell the news event, buy the rumor, sell the news, some type of situation like that is certainly possible. We've all read that book many times. You have another scenario. Let's say the market spikes up and finishes near the highs. Let's say that happens in one or two days. We'll use one day as an example. So here's the close, market finishes at the highs. And then the next day, all of a sudden, we wake up, the market's trading down. The next day, we finish on the lows or even lower than the lows. That's a reversal. Also, would be in that hypothetical case, a failed breakout. And that's another way that it gives us, meaning the market gives us something to quote-unquote trade against. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the market to give us a signal. And all these signals are found in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. I gave you two. There's more. They're in the course. Everybody that wants to learn can learn, and we should all know what we're looking for in a market like this. Now, what we also need to know is that if, in fact, we get into a type of trade, we have to know where we're wrong. Our objective is always, if we have to lose, our objective is always to lose small and fast. It's a fact of the business. We enter each and every trade with 100% certainty that it's going to work out in our favor, that's why we entered the trade in the first place. However, we are fully and 100% aware that it's an impossibility to win every trade. So we have to play both sides. It's a balance. We have to get into the trades that we are 100% certain are the trades we want, but we know they're not all going to work out. That's just a fact of the business. It is the business. You may be able to tell, you might have heard already, I'm looking to get into a trade on the short side of this market, but I'm looking to get into it a little bit higher than we are now. I may or may not get that opportunity higher than we are now. Another possibility is 
We open up down and trade down, and that was it. Today was the high. That's another possibility. Is it a probability? At this point, the probabilities are that we're getting to a price and a time where the market is going to have to make a decision. Either it's going to accelerate to the upside or it's going to reverse and have a meaningful correction. Something else that we all have to keep in mind. The bulls don't give up the ghost that easy. There's an old saying down in the financial district, it's very difficult to kill a bull. Sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes it's harder. What's it going to be this time? We don't know. We have to have an open mind. Let the market dictate what's going on. We'll have resistance areas. We already have resistance areas. Once the market puts in a sign or a signal of a trend change, we'll have our bogey. What's going on over in the IWM camp? It is my favorite market leading indicator and we can't help but notice what's going on over in the IWM. It is and remains in a different position than the S&P 500. We know about it. We talk about it all the time. It's a puzzle piece. It's certainly on the table. One thing that I find a little bit curious, I don't know if we're going to make a federal case out of it, but it's a little bit curious is yesterday we closed above the breakdown candle high. That's this candle here and the high is 154.55. We close above it, which is generally a positive sign. And today we close back below it. We're above these moving averages right here, the 20 and the 50. I'm not sure whether it's meaningful from yesterday or today, one way or the other. I'm just making mention of it. It's not really a puzzle piece. It's just something I find interesting. What's much more interesting is the position of the IWM. So let me just do this for a second, and I'll say we have a trend line. It's a downsloping trend line. Now, we can break above this for sure. No problem, we can, and we would find resistance somewhere in this zone, maybe before that. That's certainly possible. Things like that, patterns on charts like that happen all the time. But what we also want to note is the position of the IWM as compared to the position of the SPY. So we'll bring up the spider chart, and you'll see we're on a breakout from the recent highs. The chart looks entirely different than the IWM. Now, I can certainly build a case that the IWM is making a bull flag pattern, just taking longer and will ultimately catch up with all the other markets or the other markets that are ahead of the IWM. That's certainly possible. I'm open to that. I always have an open mind. We need to and must always look at both sides of the market. But I'm also aware that in a very bullish market, the IWM is traditionally leading to the upside, not lagging and playing catch up later. So in a very strong market that has widespread institutional participation, hedge funds, mutual funds, pension funds, all funds, all funds headed toward a bullish market would generally have the IWM leading the tape higher, not necessarily lagging, looking for it to play catch-up. That's a puzzle piece. That's on the table. Here, over in the transportation department, we have what I'll call a meet-me-in-the-middle market. So we have a spider that's breaking out to the upside, an IWM that looks entirely different, which is my favorite market-leading indicator, and my second favorite market-leading indicator, the transports, have a different look altogether. What we've done is we've basically now come up to the recent 
double top area. That's where we came to yesterday slash today, and that's where we found some resistance, rightfully so. Look where we came from just a week ago. So it it is fitting that we found resistance where we did coming from around 10,000 just a few trading sessions ago. But the bigger question is, are the transports going to break out, but are they going to find resistance at the next logical area of overhead resistance, which would be the gap at 10,850 and change? This one is pretty cut and dry. A rising tide is going to lift all boats. If we find markets rising to some of these other numbers, for example, in the S&P that we've been discussing, the transports are going to get that rising sensation along with the other markets and they'll go and fill the gap maybe even slightly higher. So all in all, not a lot of change from yesterday. We're still in the same place around that double top area. Here we are over in Silicon Valley looking at the triple Qs. Now, the triple Qs, again, they look very similar to the spider. Not exactly the same position, but we're in that breakout mode. They haven't done it yet. They look like they want to break out. They may just need a little bit of a nudge slash some kind of an excuse or spark to get going. If they're going to do that, where are they likely headed? Well, all you really have to do is look to the left, and you can see what's going on in here. You have this area here. There's a gap. There's a breakdown candle high. Where is that area? That area really is right here. It's just above at around 185. So even though if in fact markets were rising, let's say that was the case, whether it's tomorrow, the next day, or into next week, markets are rising, everybody is happy, everybody thinks we're going to new highs, rightfully so, that's what it feels like, but what are we doing? We're going to the next logical area of overhead resistance. Why does that happen? Because those things, those areas, both sides, resistance areas and support areas, many times act as a magnet and they draw the market to those areas. That's why a lot of traders, a lot of investors, a lot of money managers will come on TV and it almost seems like they're scratching their head. They don't seem to understand how or why the market is doing whatever it's doing at the time, whether it's falling or whether it's rising. And then they end up making these excuses that when you look back at them and you try and pick apart to see if there's any facts in there, there really is none. They're just hypothetical, theoretical examples of why the market's rising made up out of whole cloth. But from where I sit, what the market's really doing, it's being drawn to a certain price in a certain time frame like a magnet. And that's what's going on now. That's what I think. I stand by it. You don't have to agree. That's what makes a market. But this is my thoughts. And you know that getting inside my head is an extremely dangerous place to be. So wear a hard hat. Back to the financial district. So what do we have here? We have something similar to the other markets that really are non-confirming. What does non-confirming mean? Not confirming a breakout. Doesn't mean one can't happen. We're aware that one can. And if one begins to happen, we know what we're looking at. We know where to look. We know what's likely breaking out. We know where likely resistance areas are. But right now, the financials, similar to the IWM, it just looks different. And we always say the same thing. And I repeat it over and over because it's so important. Without the financials participating, 
on a breakout. It's unlikely the markets are really going to get very far on the north side. So the financials have to participate for a widespread institutional participated rally. It's not happening yet. It can happen, but that's not what we're seeing. Doesn't mean the market can't continue to creep higher on light volume. It is creeping higher on light volume, but it's not really blasting off on heavy volume. If we see a big up day on heavy volume, that's one thing. If we see a big up day on light volume, that's something else. That's just the magnet drawing it in. We get above the 200-day moving average here in the financials in the XLF. We get up to 27 and start closing up there. That's a different story altogether. We're not there today. If we end up there, we'll have that discussion if, in fact, that does take place. The SMH, we talk about this each and every night. There's really no change in the SMH, so I'm not going to redo what we discussed over the last few days in the SMH. We know where we are. If it's going to break out, it's going to get going. It simply has to get above this breakdown candle high at 109.51. Call it 110 for argument's sake. You begin getting up to 110 and closing daily above 110, at 110, above 110. That's bullish. This isn't an uptrend. It's pointed higher if it gets going, if it gets the excuse or the spark that gets it going, there can be higher prices. This is a good proxy for the tech sector. We looked at the Qs. There's nothing wrong with the tech sector. There's nothing on that chart that says bearish. There's nothing on the SMH that says bearish. What one believes and what the chart says can be two entirely different things, and they generally are. Let's just look at what it is. It's in an uptrend. There's nothing bearish on this chart. There's nothing bearish on the Qs. It is what it is. Take it for what it is. Take yes for an answer, and we just move on. How about the Apollonians? What's going on over in Apple land? We're back at the 193.50. Look where we are. We've been discussing 193.50 for a while. I just think it's entertaining is all. I'm not shorting Apple. I'm not long Apple. I have no dog in an Apple fight whatsoever. But it's interesting that we're back here at 193.50. A week ago it looked, or two weeks ago it looked like, they were going to close above 193.50. At the last moment or the last day of the week, they dove down, closed below, had a couple of days worth of selling, and here we are, back at 193.50. It'll be interesting to see what happens. If we get a spark in the market, Apple can certainly go higher. Apple is a widely held stock, a fan favorite. It's been trading very well. It's back in an uptrend on the daily chart. Once you're above all the moving averages, you have no choice but to accept the fact that it's in an uptrend and it can go higher. It is what it is. It's one of those things, again, where you just take yes for an answer. You don't have to like it, but you have to understand it. What about Netflix? Anything doing over at Netflix? Anything wrong with Netflix? No, it's the same story. It's a bullish chart. Now, when I bring these up, I want everybody to understand, if the market turns around, these stocks can dive and they can dive fast. This is how... The market sucks people in. What generally happens and what appears to most traders as safe to get in the water, they end up getting sucked into the market at the end. They end up participating for a little while, maybe a few days, maybe even a few weeks, but they end up getting left holding the bag in a reversal scenario because when you go to run for the exits in stocks like Apple 
and Netflix and Google and Alibaba, Facebook and Tesla, and you know the names. Everybody's running for the exit at the same time. It's hard to squeeze through. But here's the challenge. Where does it end? Where is the top on Netflix? I don't know. That's why you really have to use the broader market. When the market turns, when the Dow turns, the S&P turns, the Qs turn, whenever and from wherever that is, you'll see everything turn, whether some of these stocks turn beforehand or at the same time. That's generally the way it works. How about crude oil? This is the May contract. I usually look at the continuous contract, but crude oil seems to be the talk of the town. So why don't we talk about the chart? So crude oil is in an uptrend. It is rising. We've been talking about this for a while. We've been discussing the fact that it's been in an uptrend for a while, and it was bullish. So this is playing out exactly as we've been discussing for a long, long time. Where's it going? Well, without getting too specific, where I believe crude oil is headed is on the low side of 63.75 and somewhere around 64.50, maybe even up to 64.75. That's where I think crude is going. Can it go higher? Yeah, it certainly can. But that's what I've determined my numbers are. How does that apply? So how do we use that information? Well, that's a sooner than later piece of information. So if we ended up trading sideways within a very tight range or a narrow range for the next four or five, six trading sessions, those numbers would likely have to change. But if we got up there within the next day or two, I believe that's an area where there should be a lot of overhead resistance. On a spike higher, 66 is even possible, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. I think that's a little too far out over the skis. I think we're getting close. I think we're getting close to resistance. The more bullish people become, you know what's likely coming next. I don't know what kind of price targets they're talking about on television, but if anybody's starting to hear a 7 in front of it, We're probably getting closer to topping out. What's going on inside the numbers? We had a couple of trades trigger this morning. We had Walgreens boots. 55.97 was the price. And as you can see, nothing really happened. We had the price. It hung around there for most of the day. Nothing happened. So nobody got hurt. Nobody made money. It just was what it was. But when you look at this, you have to scratch your head and say, how do you do that? Stock closes yesterday at $63.38. It opens up today, actually below the price. So some traders take a trade like that. Others leave it alone. I describe why or why not to take a trade like that. But the point is the number. The point of this discussion is the importance of these price targets and why stocks end up being drawn to these numbers like a magnet Over and over and over again, how do you select a number when a stock is opening down 12% from yesterday's close? How do you find that number? You can find that number. And here's the other one. CVS Health was also getting whacked at the open. You can see where it closed yesterday all the way up above 54. So it's getting hammered at the open a little bit, not as much as Walgreens, but it's still getting hammered. So we select a price target. $52.15. It spiked a little bit below, but not much. Immediately went higher. Traders made a good, a lot of traders had a nice trade on CVS today. I heard from a lot of you. Nice job. Every trade doesn't have to be a home run. The market didn't go anywhere today. So when you can come out with a positive trade, it's a big win because nobody was able to do anything today. 
It's all about the importance of these price targets, where they come from, how do you figure it out. This is how you do it, folks. You come over to Inside the Numbers. And that's where I'm going to wrap it tonight. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.